uh, Jewish people will take more of a framework of like, oh, you're still Jewish. You're just maybe not as into it as you used to be. Right. Right. And I actually yeah. will say that to someone. I'll say like, hmm. well, I mean, I look at your behavior in your life and I think you're still a Christian operationally and values wise. Yeah. There's just maybe a couple holes intellectually that you maybe don't, those aren't filled in anymore, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be with us anymore. You can right. still be, you can still act and be as a Christian. And guess what? We all do this with all of our ideas. We're more into them sometimes than other times. Hmm. And so I, for me, I, I think I, I less see them as an outsider. I just see them as like, oh yeah, you're into it. You just, right now you have a little bit of a deficiency on the belief side and that's right. okay. We can help that's that. Good. Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you're going to hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission and community and discipleship. Today's episode is from one of our coaching intensives called Made for Mission, where we coach others on how to practically live out the command of Jesus to go and make disciples in our Western context. So if you want to learn more about A Thousand Houses or check out some of our resources, visit 1kh.org. Hey guys, welcome back. I am excited to be here with my friend Blake Smith. And um, so Blake and I talk a lot about this topic of mission evangelism. And, you know, my hope is that he becomes a made for mission coach very soon. So we're working on that too. Um, but I wanted to get uh, a couple, couple of conversations with Blake going for the course. And this is, there's one that's had a huge impact on me that Blake shared um, at a community gathering at our house. Um, and this has been um, around how to think about when you're when you're really working with somebody, there are, there are very different ways that you might approach someone depending on their story and where they're at. And we tend to have a one size fits all kind of approach to people. And so Blake kind of shared this idea, broke it down, and I want to interact with him and share this with you guys. So Blake, I want you to introduce this idea uh, to everybody. Sure. sure, yeah, and thank you for having me on here. I. I feel weird saying that I could be a coach or an expert in this area. I feel like I'm <laughs> trying to practice, but I don't, I don't know if I feel like I have the authority, yeah. but um, yeah, no, I think we, you and I were talking about this beforehand. We think this idea came from John Tyson in some sermon that I cannot yeah. locate. <laughs> we both have so looked maybe, for it. We can't find it. If someone can find it and let us know, that would be wonderful. But I'm going to give credit to John Tyson just in case, because I wouldn't want him to come after me for this. Um, <laughs> yes. And so I'd say, uh, before I get into kind of the framework of how to think about different people, I'd say that there's a there's probably maybe one or two overarching principles that we do want to consider, which is like, one, we are called to and commanded to love people. Hmm. Um, and so that that means people cannot be first and foremost projects or yeah. tasks, right? They just need to be other human beings that whether they ever come to our side of the table from a philosophical or theological or whatever standpoint, we're going to love these people because we're called to love people um, and commanded to love people. In fact, that's what's supposed to be setting us apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, in some ways, this is maybe a way to love people better, yeah. but it, it can't be used. And we never want to use evangelism as a, a replacement for doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'd say um, maybe the other point in there is also um, when you do that, it makes for a really fulfilling and enjoyable life. Yeah. And so it's like it, we're also not loving people just because we're called to. It's also loving people because that's what is most meaningful and fun in life. 
Yeah. And so let's just remember that like in, in doing this outreach, that this is not a one-sided path. You know, it's not just you trying to benefit someone else. Um, whether someone comes to Jesus or not, they're going to be able to teach you all sorts of different things. And that's a wonderful thing. So yeah. those are my two caveats beforehand. Awesome. So the thing that we think that John Tyson presented was this kind of framework. And I'm going to share my screen here for anybody who's watching. And I'll try to describe it for anybody who's listening. Um, so uh, it's a good old uh, two by two quadrant system of how to think about another human being um, and figuring out how do I communicate um, about my faith with that person in a way that's not offensive or icky or weird, but is actually helpful to that person. Um, I heard a study recently that said like, I think it's like, maybe it's like 80 or 90% of millennial or uh, Gen Z Christians think it is wrong to try to convert someone into their religion. Yeah. Um, while at the same time, it's something like 60% think that the best thing that could happen for another person is for them to become a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have this problem, which is that it's yeah. culturally offensive. And I think kind of, right. it is kind of weird to do that, but we also, we know that it's good for people to, right. If you think that you have the truth, you want to share that, but you need to do it in a way that integrates with other people um, and is culturally um, winsome, I guess. Right. Um, so um, the two ways of kind of categorizing people in that is really uh, in columns, we have their familiarity with um, the person or the story of Jesus right? Um, and so you have someone who's familiar or someone who's unfamiliar. Um, and then uh, I guess vertically in rows, we have, is that person um, open to that story? Meaning like, sure, that sounds interesting. I want to hear more. Or are they not open? I guess another word for not open would be closed. Right. Um, are they closed to that story? Maybe they feel like they heard it, or maybe they right. have a, some sort of concept in, the, in their head and they've kind of dismissed it. Yeah. Um, um, but, uh, and those are kind of the different vector, uh, vectors that kind of create four quadrants. So we'll start in the top left, which would be someone who is open to the story of Jesus and they're familiar with the story of Jesus. That person we would call a Christian, yeah. right? Right. I, I would, I would Hopefully. hope so. Right. Yeah. Um, and if so, not, they're going to be the easiest person you've ever shared the gospel with in your life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. And so, um, that person you can, I mean, just continue enjoying being with that person. That's great. Um, and let them sharpen you and you can sharpen them. And that's just a friend and a Christian. That's cool. Um, so um, our next category um, would be someone who is familiar maybe with uh, the story of Jesus, but they're not open to it. Perhaps yeah. they were raised in some sort of church environment or something like that. This is a really difficult um, relationship because essentially anything that you say is going to come through a lens of their past history. That's right. Right. And so yep. you can't argue. You can surprise them with the, the message. Yes, you can't argue something. Everything they've done, they may have even already done. They may have made the arguments that you've already made, right? right. Like they may have made those in a previous life. And so, right. what do you do with that person if you're concerned for um, them coming, you know, closer in contact with Jesus? And like, what do you do with that person? And so, the the solution um, is that person needs to experience a loving community. That's right. Right. And so, what you do is you open up your house. You open up your life, you open up your workspace, um, and you just you just are a friend to that person. You let them experience a community of not just you, but other people, and let that experience of community rewrite the script of That's what right. they think Christianity about. And I think, Jeremy, you've kind of, this one jumped out to you. You can talk about that now if you want. Yeah, that, yeah, this has been a huge one for me because this is where actually most of the people that I've been um, reaching out to actually fit in this quadrant. And I didn't know what to do with them until Blake actually shared this. And I was like, wow, that's so clear. It's so helpful. And I've discovered that this is exactly right. It's it's interesting. Um, so I have a couple of friends who are right now 
um, atheists who have were sort of former Christians or um, and like the two guys I'm really spending a lot of time with who are non-believers. One was a pastor at one point and now wants nothing to do with the church and or Christianity at this point. And the other was, you know, a major um, debater, apologist for the faith, like brilliant uh, online debate, you know, a debate people left and right for, for years and now is a brilliant apologist for atheism. <laughs> and so, um, and these are both really good friends of mine um, that I've actually established relationships with through um, some of the, some of the rhythms I started when I went through the kind of made for mission process. And so I didn't know what to do with them. Like, okay. I mean, I, we, I've had, you know, sort of the typical conversations with them about why they left the faith. Um, but it felt like maybe the whole relationship would just end there. Like, okay. You, Oh, you, you were a Christian. Oh, you are a really familiar Christian. <laughs> like I, there's nothing I can say that's going to argue you into the kingdom. I guess I just need to move on. You know, like, what do we have to connect on anyway? Because Blake shared this with me. I'm like, I know what I want to do. I'm just going to unfold them in a community. So, and what's interesting is both these guys are really, really hungry for that. And part of what I feel like the, the idea here is that I think they both were hurt by uh, their experience in the Christian community, um, disillusioned by it. And it was, it was sort of maybe the subtext for, for their losing their faith. Um, and so for them, uh, it, 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 I think that it's for them to have a genuinely powerful experience of community um, is what's going to make it, if it's ever going to become plausible again, it's got to become plausible through the love that they experience in a genuine, authentic Christian community. And they're hungry for that, like I said. So that, that's been my experience. And it's been super helpful for me to go, oh, you're one of those. I don't. And I rarely now talk to them about, um, you know, uh, argue the points. I'm just constantly inviting them. And I find them extremely fun to be with. Like these guys are really um, becoming very close friends of mine. Um, And so this has been and I think all of that would have potentially been lost. And there's even been, I think, for both of them, moments of softening and opening and and conversation around their past and, and what happened when they why they left the faith. And, and I, I can see both of them. There's a bit of a longing for what they're, they lost, but I think there's not a lot of hope, you know, and, it, but what hope there is, I think comes from those experiences of community. Yeah. I, I think that um, this is something that I think culturally is maybe the farthest from what the church currently does, Yeah, which is, you know, right. A lot of times it's like, Oh, if you don't believe these certain things, then you can no longer be part of this community. And that is a polar opposite of what we should be doing. Um, and even for me, the framework that I have is when I meet someone who says, oh, I used to be a Christian, but now I don't believe that anymore. Um, I maybe take like, I think even culturally Jewish, uh, Jewish people will take more of a framework of like, oh, you're still Jewish. You're just maybe not as into it as you used to be. Right. Right. And I actually will say that to someone. I'll say like, Hmm. well, I mean, I look at your behavior in your life and I think you're still a Christian operationally and values wise. There's just maybe a couple holes intellectually that you maybe don't those aren't filled in anymore but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be with us anymore you can still be you can still act and be as a christian and guess what we all do this with all of our ideas we're more into them sometimes than other times Hmm. and so for me i i think i i less see them as an outsider i just see them as like oh yeah you're into it you just right now you have a little bit of a deficiency on the belief side and that's okay we can help that you know yeah Um, cool all right so that's um that was 
open and familiar, uh, not open and familiar. Now let's talk about people who are unfamiliar with the story of Jesus, right? Um, so if they're unfamiliar and open, that's that's your shot. Bring yes. out your, your pamphlet. That's your shot of like, hey, you can actually just tell somebody the good news. You, know, right. you can tell your own personal story and your experience with that. And you can also point back to the historical story. Um, and they're going to be excited to hear that. Um, I had so many opportunities to do this thing um, when we lived in San Francisco um, mm. because it's an incredibly open place generally. And it's a place that's not even post-Christian. It actually never was Christian. And so when someone would say, wait a second, you're a Christian? Like, what does that mean? Tell me about that. And then I could talk about it. They'd be like, wait, what does that mean? And like, they they want to claw through and try to understand. And they're actually super open. To, and and I felt like, kind of like I was getting all these gold stars from like a evangelism standpoint, because I yeah. think this is the only category that we call evangelism. Right, because really. we're all the training um, usually, yeah. Right, um, and the problem is that in Cincinnati, Ohio, where you and I both are, there, there aren't a lot of people who are unfamiliar. Right. And so because of that, you feel like a deficient That's evangelist. That's right. You feel like reality, you're, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's helpful to even look at this framework and ask from a percentage perspective, you know, where, where do you think a typical like hundred people break down in, in, in wherever you live? And to your point, if you live in a, in a place that where there's a lot of, a lot of Christians and there's almost a predominant sort of Christian culture, um, maybe is in the ethos then then there's not going to be a ton of people in this category and like you just said it's it, it's like this is almost what evangelism is called and it really was from an era when virtually everyone was in that open category and was in the, you know evangelism really assumes everyone is either open and familiar or open and unfamiliar <laughs> and yes. uh and so that's why evangelism got rooted in this one quadrant and for some people like in our culture this might be less than five percent of the people that we meet. Um, and so that's, it's not helpful for evangelism to assume that everyone that's not a believer is in that quadrant because that yes. can be very untrue depending on where you live. Yes. When I, uh, I did some mission work in Panama, we just could walk door to door and they were either, uh, they were all open and they were either familiar or unfamiliar. And we yeah. just went door to door all day. Um, yeah. And so uh, that's great. And we need to be prepared to do that. And you do need yes. to be prepared for that. Um, but I think you're right that that's that's not as common as maybe we would hope. And sometimes we beat ourselves up because of the people that we're around. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Um, right. if, especially if you didn't control that. Um, and then the final quadrant is, I, I would say, uh, I, I'd say also fairly common, which is those who are maybe unfamiliar with the story of Jesus, but I would say vehemently not open or closed to it. Right. right? Um, and so this is like uh, sometimes someone who maybe just like, grew up um, not around a faith and maybe have a story of how faith is really bad for people. And that story can often be based in true history, right? Um, and uh, that person you're not going to argue with and you shouldn't argue with. In fact, I think it would be kind of disrespectful of their kind of autonomy to argue with them. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, that person, it feels crass to say it, but you're waiting for a crisis in that person's life where you can where you have an opening to love them and maybe provide a narrative that makes sense of the pain. Because there are certain elements of life that Christianity just gives a better explanation for. Um, specifically those of like um, random pain um, is a really, is a, is a good example of that where um, if someone's born with special needs and is never going to be a full contributing member of society, um, how do we find meaning in the midst of that when this is their one shot? Um, they're, 
I mean, there are arguments from a humanistic standpoint of that, um, but they're pretty unsatisfying. Right. Um, but the, the, that's where Christianity really does shine is that there's a robust theology of how to deal with this and find meaning in the midst of kind of forever pain on this life, right? right? And it's that there's another, there's another life coming um, that actually is going to be redeemed and that person may even be elevated. Um, right. And, and that's a really beautiful thing, but we're kind of waiting for that kind of opening. And it's not waiting for an opening for you to like, you know, right. ram in the gospel, right? They're, they're not going to all of a sudden go um, to being open necessarily, but they're going to be, um, it's more of you're waiting for there to be a need that you can actually love them with and yeah. show them. Um, I, I would say too, um, this is maybe not just a crisis for them, but it could be a crisis in your life that they walk, watch you walk through. I've seen that yeah. also like, I, this is actually what got me interested in studying Judaism. I, I would say I was in the, you know, um, you know, this category within Judaism. I was sort of unfamiliar and I didn't really care to, to know more. And then I, I watched them walk through both crises and I would say periods of meaning, like celebrations or festivals. And I was like, I quickly became open and unfamiliar <laughs> because I was like, I, my curiosity got like the stories that I believed I knew the narrative I, I kind of had got disrupted and um, it wasn't, I wasn't antagonistic, but I just wasn't particularly interested. Um, I got very interested and I've seen this happen too. There's a really, really um, powerful ministry to Muslims in, um, in Israel that, that basically uses all the festivals and holidays in the calendar, Muslim, Jewish, and Christian to, um, to basically throw these enormous, very popular uh, celebrative, parties and and then they would just sort of see the gospel and i would say that in some ways it's like it's it's going into the crisis of meaning people feel to actually bring them to that event and almost everyone that comes out event is not open and unfamiliar um mm -hmm. and uh and so they they find that in an event where there's hundreds of people you know a few bump up to the open unfamiliar category and then they share the gospel so yeah i would say a crisis of meaning or a crisis in their life or watching you go through a crisis and seeing how like Lake was describing the resources of the gospel um, really are uh, allow you to respond differently than they had expected. And that there is going to be sort of a window that's going to open up of opportunity where they, they might start asking questions and, and you, you might find that they are maybe not for long, but maybe for, you know, a few weeks or months are, are in that open unfamiliar category. Yeah, um, and maybe the third type of crisis is uh, a cultural crisis, hmm. yeah. uh, which is that there may be a mega crisis, like a, like COVID has been, um, or a lot of the racial stuff in the U.S. has been, where we're all we all have a shared suffering, and we get to examine how the other processes it. Um, this is that's that also creates windows and these kind of mega crises as well. Cool. This is super helpful. Thank you, Blake. So you guys, the, the purpose of this is to be careful of the one size fits all. Everybody uh, is open and unfamiliar. And, and so that's our one tool, our one approach. Um, that is not being respectful of the journey that people are on and the differences that, that we're going to experience. And so this is, we're not trying to say this is comprehensive of all people, but this really opens up the idea that, that maybe they just need community. And that, that, that can be real. Like there's a lot of Christians who actually feel guilty because they're trained to just pound the gospel into somebody. Um, and, and, you know, again, there, there's a time for that, but it's really, you know, specifically at that open and unfamiliar time. Um, so 
enfolding people in community, uh, allowing people to experience meaning through through crises and you know through special uh, events or special times. Um, these these are really powerful tools for evangelism that we encourage you guys to do. So take some time. I love the idea of sort of mapping out the people in your network where they fit in those four categories. So if you were to look at the average hundred people in your orbits, where do they fit? You know, are there is there it, it, it sometimes it's it's like I literally don't know a single person of my hundred closest uh, acquaintances that's in the open and unfamiliar category. Um, and, and I was finding myself in that situation. And so I really needed to get skilled at the not open categories of experience community and wait for crisis. Um, so so that I don't know if you guys are, are in that space, but take some time. Think about like where you where your network kind of fits on this on this scale. And if you find that it's in a category uh, that is less commonly understood as evangelism, how are you going to deal with that? Like maybe journal on that. How who needs to experience community in your life? Um, who might need a crisis for them to become open or interested? And um, how, how are you going to honor them in their journey um, and still be praying for them and be there for them when when they might um, really need the hope of the gospel. So thanks, Blake, for this. Super helpful. Thanks. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you're feeling a yearning to learn how to make disciples in the West, we just want to invite you to join our Made for Mission Coaching Intensive, where we combine online content and personal coaching that's going to provide you with the teaching and the tools and the encouragement that you need to actually see disciples made in your context. So for more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org slash made for mission. We'll see you for the next episode.